Hi everyone and welcome back to the Paperless Movement Podcast. I'm Tom Solid, your host, and I cannot wait to talk to the paperless professor Shannon Taballo. How she actually managed her own life with using Notability for note-taking and other productivity tools, but also how she actually helps other teachers and professors to go paperless by being a speaker and her YouTube channel and podcast, we will find out in this episode. She's also an Inner Circle member and I'm really proud having her because she helped out a lot already in the forums. So let's get started! All right then, let's get started. Shannon, welcome to the show. Why don't you just introduce yourself to the community here? Thank you, Tom. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here with you today. I have enjoyed uh, just being active in your community. I stumbled across it as I was looking to increase my paperless productivity in my personal life and in my professional life. So I I'll tell you what I currently do now, and then we can kind of backtrack a little bit. So I am a professor at uh, Loyola Marymount University here in Los Angeles, California. And I'm also the director of an innovation institute out of the School of Education. So I work with teachers and um, people, students that want to become teachers. And that's really my passion in life. Uh, I also, like Tom said, did go back to school and start my final degree, I think, <laughs> as, a, as a doctoral student. Um, in education, so I'm really excited. I'm actually getting an EDD, uh, so it'll be a little bit quicker than that PhD, but um, really studying, I'm actually studying the pandemic uh, as it's impacting education with our teachers and our students. So I'm really excited to be doing that. And yeah, I, a paper, I'm the paperless professor, also a paperless student, also have always had, uh, we, we're on year three of our podcast where we highlight teachers who innovate, engage and inspire using technology in their classroom. And we could talk about that podcast in a little bit and just started the YouTube channel with your inspiration. I really felt like I wanted to reach a broader audience in a different medium. And so the, the, the YouTube channel helped me create quick little snippets of tutorials to help teachers. We realized in the early stages of COVID um, as it was becoming impacting education, teachers were turning to YouTube as one of their primary sources for resources and inspiration and how-to videos. So that's how that got started. And all of this while being a mom still and uh, you know an employee and all of that. So I'm really excited. I really relied on and leaned in on, on you guys and the inner circle as I was kind of navigating these waters. So it's been, uh, I would say the last six months have been a little bit more hectic than normal, but mm. um, I don't know that life is ever really not hectic, right? So yeah, so, so I can be proud that you're part of the inner circle because you must be very productive or actually efficient. I, I prefer the word efficient because when we increase efficiency, you will be more productive anyway. Um, so having all these different things in place, um, everything must be spot on the workflow and everything you have there that you started the YouTube channel. That's really awesome because, um, there are so many YouTube channels out there for paperless students and there are paperless students showing how they study paperless, but I not really came across any channel of a teacher or professor showing other teachers how to teach paperless. And I tried to do this uh, by showing some of the different whiteboards and so on. But also I'm a PhD and uh, studied a long time and also um, can talk about business and meetings, all this. That's not the experience of the part of education I can offer. 
so it's really great to have you on YouTube now and starting this. And um, if you're one of the teachers or people, uh, professors out there, surely um, go and check it out. Where do we actually find this YouTube channel? Yeah, it's youtube.com slash paperlessprofessor. Well, that's very straightforward. Perfect yeah. naming, <laughs> perfect wording there. So um, so what all led you to become paperless, actually? Maybe you give us a bit more of the backstory now. Sure, sure. So I would say it was probably six or seven years ago, major life change uh, uh, as I was kind of going through a divorce, just like personally, I needed to make some big changes in my life. And that prompted me as we kind of started separating financial paperwork and needing to do that. I just felt like there was too much paper in my life. Um, at that time, I had three three kids at home still, and I was feeling very um, anxious and being closed in on with just the amount of personal paperwork that was going on. And I, I invested in a scanner and Evernote, and that was my life. I just, I probably spent a good year um, getting rid of just paper clutter in my life around mm. that time and have been able to really keep that up. I know that when people watch my videos, they see like these kind of paper things in the background. Well, those are things that I have to keep that I'm sorting the yeah. kids stuff, papers from school that come home that I have to keep kind of in a temporary, that's my yeah. holding pattern back in those um, files back there. But really for the most part, with the exception of actual documents that need to be kept for legal reasons, everything gets filed and digitally and sorted and put into my Evernote. That's my personal place. And I've been using Evernote since the beginning, really. So you're like uh, me then here with, the, with Evernote that you're using it for document management only or also for note-taking? So as I was transitioning into my paperless professional world at, at the university and my position there, I really started to try to use Evernote as the note-taking app. Um, I used it when it first started doing presentation mode as I was teaching. I, then I was teaching live in person and I would, I would kind of put like a presentation together and present. Mm -hmm. I would have my students access uh, the notes and notebooks. That didn't work for my workflow. I tried it for a couple semesters, so a good year. And I just couldn't get the workflow right. So I transitioned out of Evernote being my professional management system because it just didn't work right for me and switched over to a couple different, actually a couple different places mm -hmm. that the university then supported, which was our G drive. And then we have box mm -hmm. and I was able to kind of transition into the Google platform and our Microsoft platform. In, in those spaces. So for professional work related, I, I think my default is the G Suite um, space or now G Workplaces. I think it's workspaces. Yeah, yeah. Google, I use Google as my primary um, hub. And then we also have for legal and things like that, we use uh, our, our university management system, yeah. the box. Yeah, yeah, that's always uh, something else there. But yeah, I, you know, I wouldn't worry about the papers. I, for some time, it's not there anymore. I had some books back there. And I also thought there will be the point when people ask me, why do you have any books? Don't get into our living room because there's a whole library of books, actually. Right. Uh, so because my wife really loves reading books and I absolutely understand this. And um, But we agreed on something and maybe you can... Um, <clears throat> relate to this as well 
as the paperless professor you are, we don't hate paper. I think no. if somebody asked me, you know, paperless movement, so you hate paper? No, it is actually the opposite. It's like um, eating meat or all this. That It's just too much. It's uh, wasting paper. That's what annoys me. And especially digitization made it worse because people started printing off emails and, and annotate on these and, and all this stuff. So this is what I don't like. I think we should get, get back and appreciate paper again and, um, you know, use a nice piece of paper, a fountain pen, write a letter, something like that, or books. So my, my wife is using Kindle now <laughs> because we agreed on you reading so many books and you say about 50% weren't good. So they would stay in the bookshelf. So if they're good, like me, when I when I listen to audiobooks and I like it, then um, I buy the book and put it in the bookshelf. So I have the uh, physical connection, the mind connection there. So that's just, so you're heavily nodding. So obviously we're on the same page. I am definitely on the same page. I, I committed when I started my doctoral program that I would be as paperless as possible. So my goal was to I have an iPad Pro 2018, and finding the right app and the, and the right workflow for that. I too am a, I, I try, I get all my books digitally. So all my textbooks, everything so far in the first few semesters have been successful. I have not had to purchase a physical book, which has been really great. I have rented books that I knew I really wouldn't refer back to. Mm. Um, but I, I, I could not stop myself from printing when I needed to sort some annotations mm. and I had a lot of annotations and they were all in Evernote, which was fantastic. But then I needed to catalog them. And for some reason, my brain could not do that mm. in Evernote digitally. So, and I tried, I, I really did uh. give it the college try uh, literally and figuratively. And so I ended up printing I've printed, I'm going to keep track of how much I print during this journey so that I can kind of document what I printed and why I printed it. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And that was very helpful for me to print, to catalog, and then to go write my lit review for that particular uh, piece of work. Um, and again, like you said, I, the first time I did it and I was really struggling with it, I felt so guilty, <laughs> but and I could not print these particular things double-sided, which also, again, made me feel very guilty. But I needed that visual yeah. um, piece. I, you know, I like you, I grew up not in this generation, right? I didn't grow up with this, these digital experiences at my fingertips like the students today are. So my brain didn't, just really couldn't comprehend. I tried various um apps and tools and writing and this and that and cutting and pasting. And I, it just, I was like, I need to lay it all out on the table, catalog it, and then start color coding it and sorting it visually. And that, that made my life so much easier. It went so much faster when I did print. So I, I do think that we have to have some things, but you know, it's, it's, um it's election season here right now. And, and I, we could just get so much junk in the mail. And mm -hmm. like you, it breaks my heart. I, 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 I care about the environment. I care about just the waste that is happening in the world. And I like having digital systems in place that kind of scan your mail and, and get rid of all of that kind of stuff. But we still, you can set systems up. I know you've talked about it too. We have systems in place where we can 
um, e-bills e and things like that. And I love the fact that I can just archive those right into Evernote. I mm. just digitally print and all that kind of stuff. I don't have to have, and, and when I had an issue, I could easily go back, find what I needed and call the company and be like, Hey, this happened and yeah. get it resolved. I don't, I'm not scouring through papers going, where did I put that, you know, yeah. you know, uh, auto insurance bill or whatever. Let's just stay there with the situation that you had to print off to get your head around the things and, and understand concepts and all this, because I was exactly in the same boat and I'm saying was because I finally found for myself the solution how I can actually have the same thing or actually a much broader thinking than I would have ha spreading the papers out on the table to get the idea. And this is actually Miro. Miro was really the, the game changer for me because obviously mind mapping, um, if you're one of my inner circle members, then you know um, my my masterclass about uh, mind mapping, that this is much more related to how our brain functions doing mind maps. But when I go to the different mind mapping tools, they are very restrictive. So again, I, they, they're pushing me into a structure to build these mind maps and they're not very flexible. So this is again, pushing me printing things off and then laying around these things on the table and, and, and put them in different places to really have the haptic sensation as well and the connection somehow to the different nodes. And actually Miro really gives me this back that I can just throw things in this and place them however I want them and then start connecting these, uh, connecting the dots. So um, did you use Miro already or did you have a look already in, into Miro? I mean, so Miro is just a collaboration tool actually. It's not really a uh, mind mapping tool supposed to be, but to me it's the only reason why I'm using it. I did. So after I was having this struggle, I went and just because my brain should have done this, which I usually do first is I go to you first. I go to your resources first and try to find it. And I didn't make the connection because I, I really didn't make the connection in the beginning. But since then, I have downloaded Miro on my iPad because uh -huh. it's also web-based too. It is. Yeah. So I, I was able to watch some of your tutorial videos and I, so it's ready to go for the next time I have to, and I've done some mind maps with it for just mapping out workshops and things yeah. that we do for, for teachers. And I've really enjoyed it. I, I snapshot it and sent it to a student, uh, student intern and said, here, go make this. This is my, this is my mind map for the form that I want to be filled out. And it had like if thens and all kinds of great things. So I think I can make the connection to try and do that again. Yeah, um, I just I didn't, I didn't have it at the time when I, at that moment, but but that's the key, right, Tom? Is that really finding the right tool for what you need to do? And you talked about this uh, when you were talking about your workflow, right? Yeah. And how yeah. it feels like there might be lots of different ap applications, but in actuality, because those as as long as those applications work and continue to work together, the flow makes life so much easier. It, it yeah. it's not more complicated. It's actually easier for retrieval and access and archiving and all that and, and note-taking, all of it is there. And when it works, it's beautiful. But this is the importance. And that's what I talk to uh, or coach to all my inner circle members or what I try to deliver the message there. It's not about, you know, telling you my system and that's the all, all in one solution and all this. What I try to train is actually to give you the, the chance to develop your own productivity setup or system. It is just not possible. And when I see a lot of um, 
concepts and all this, they usually relate to Evernote or to Notion and you have to build it in Notion. It wouldn't work for me at all. The concept behind this is great, but why pushing people into one direction? They really have to adapt it. And then usually it ends at some point. You get some uh, concept how to take notes like a pro or uh, how to make a knowledge management system and so on. And with the new iCore framework that I'm building on, this is just the feedback after one year of the membership, of the Inner Circle membership, I got from you guys, the struggles you had and all this, to actually build a framework that helps to look through the whole productivity system from input, control, output, and refine. So this means taking notes. And so what? That's th that's the usual issues. People take notes all the time and they feel very productive But in, in fact, yeah, they're just writing down things and never find it again. I'm talking about myself. That was the situation I was in. In a paper notebook, I was writing down notes, then never find it again. So I went digital, but let's face it, not notability, note, uh, note of good notes. We put notes into this and either you live in this, uh, in this system and you have everything in notability, then you can become organized. But as soon as you start to try to connect it to Notion or uh, to, to Notion or others, then the struggle begins. So uh, it is not as easy. And you were exactly talking about this, about uh, connecting the dots and the systems work together. And this is really something that can become really overwhelming. You have a task manager here, you, you put information there and so on. So um, I always say, first think about your workflow and what you want to achieve and then look for the right tools to use them and maybe use one tool for everything and then maybe you can um, do this. And it seems you established a lot. So maybe you can talk a bit more about your general setup. So let's start with note-taking. What do you use for note-taking then? We go my, through the iCore framework now, isn't that so? Yeah. With, yeah, with note-taking, yeah. the input. So note-taking, my default is is notability. Um, and I've been, I think, I feel very blessed because I was able to really test out, I, I've downloaded all of everything and um, from OneNote to GoodNotes to NoteShelf to notability. And as I, as I worked with all of them before it became critical, notability was, always, was the one that was easiest for me to get in and out of. Um, I liked the organizational structure. I was able to really set what I needed to set up. And I was able, to, I, really for me, it was getting in and out of the note as easy as possible. Okay. And um, so that's really why I keep landing on notability. So my default notability, that's for my school when I'm in, when I'm in lecture, even if they're digital lectures, I'm taking notes in notability. Uh, at work, if I'm in a meeting, I, I import the agenda and any peripherals, any other paper that they give us, I just scan it or upload it, and import it, and then I can take notes right in there. So that's my default go-to. And even personally too, when I'm, when I'm in a note, or I'm in a meeting for personal or the podcast or, or anything like that, I can, even if I jot it down on a, in a notebook, I immediately snap a photo and import it right into Notability so that I have that. And the, the handwriting recognition, um, all of that works really, really well. I did, I did buy that feature and I have had no regrets. So that's my, yeah. that's probably my step one for everything. So when you pay, take a picture of your notes, does it uh, OCI it as well? So transcribes it to text? Or it doesn't transcribe it? to text, but it recognizes yeah. the text when it's searching. As okay. long as my handwriting, I am not the best 
I don't have the best looking handwriting. Yeah, uh, me neither. I definitely, <laughs> I was assumed to be a PhD <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah. This doesn't work out for me. Yeah. So yeah, so I, I, it does, as long as I try to print really neatly, um, it, and it, it does a pretty good job for what I have. Okay. So. That's interesting. Um, and this was also, it is not, it is not as old or, um, that, uh, it's not long ago that actually there's no taking apps implemented the uh, handwriting recognition that you could convert the text and so on. So when I started the YouTube channel talking about, uh, iPads and, you know, these handwriting softwares, there was actually something where you just went digital and had a paper notebook in a digital version, but nothing more. Now it's easy to just say, okay, listen, you can do exactly the same thing you did before on paper, but on your iPad and your notes become searchable. And that's usually the, the conversion thing. Uh, people uh, start using it. Um, so you, you're using Notability a lot. So how do you organize everything? How, when you're looking for some notes you have taken, how is it organized in your, in your Notability app? Notability app? So I have big, I have my big dividers and they are usually broken out by, um, so school, I have a couple different big dividers for school within the main, my coursework school, I have all the different classes that I take and then in there become my notes. They're all color coded. Work is the same. I do a lot of coaching. So I have a coaching folder. I have a lot of workshop folders. I have meeting folders that are, are my big kind of my big dividers and then subfolders between there. So I'll say, it'll say meetings and then it'll be meetings with, you know, it, person A, B, C, and D. Um, and, and it works, like I said, it works really well for me. I, I will, I I'll fully disclose that about five years ago, we were using maybe, yeah, five years ago, when I started the Institute, we were, we had just switched over to office, the Microsoft Office suite at the university, and I fully went all in with what the OneNote app. I knew <laughs> this comes. <laughs> it, all in, all in, and it was great. I mean, it had the different notebooks, it had the different tabs. We had um, templates that we had built that when we got a new client, we would just cut and paste the template over and start filling things out, and it was fantastic. But we ended up having barriers on our end as, a, as our teammates couldn't all access it remotely when we were on site or when we were in the field. We could really only access it, some people, not, not me, but other folks could only access it from certain spaces. And it really defeated the purpose of having a shared team, these shared team, team notebooks, uh, because we were supposed to be taking pictures and observing while we were on site. And it just didn't work out. So we, we kind of ditched that about three years ago and moved everybody into the Google suite, which is where all of our, uh, because no matter where you are on your phone, they can snap photos and take notes mm. and use keep and all that stuff. So it just mm. works so much uh, yeah, easier. Agree. So we do have historical um, uh, information there. And, and that was that really, that was all to say that as, as an organizational system, we, we tried other methods. I tried other methods and, and I knew I was going to be starting this program. I had a good year kind of leading up to knowing I was going to be starting school and really needed to kind of find a workflow that was working for me, which is when I really amped up research and testing. And, you know, I, I tested just, just about everything anybody recommended for the workflow until I found one and I'm still tweaking it. And I, I imagine mm -hmm. I will continue to be tweaking that workflow as 
new new products come to market or as products become better. We're in a time right now where software companies and hardware companies have stepped up their game and really listened to the cry of the people in this time. And so I I really feel like there are new products coming to market that are going to work really well for those of us who are in education, students and teachers. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, I have the same feeling there. It's really a good time for productivity apps coming out and the competition is also very important there because now you have different niches. So maybe they um, focus more on education. So you have specific apps there. And I, I think uh, Google is also doing a lot for, for schools, isn't it? With the Google. Oh, yeah. I have no experience with this. Maybe you have something with uh, Google School. How is it called? Google Google Classroom. We have uh, Google Classroom. classroom. Yeah. 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 I have a couple of videos on um, on my YouTube channel, just how to like grade using your Apple Pencil mm. um, on an iPad. I really do try to focus on an iPad because I don't have any other tablet type devices. I'm, mm. I'm really all only in the Apple ecosystem. So I try to focus on that because I have had people comment like this doesn't work on my, you know, my Samsung tablet. And, and I just, I don't know those interactivities. So I, mm. I apologize up front for that. But I, I really... There are pros and cons to the Google suite working in the Apple ecosystem, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes working in the um, the app is better. Sometimes working natively in Safari. Most of the time working natively in Safari is the best way to go because it's giving you the full desktop version of, of, your, um, of the Google app that you're using. Mm-hmm. Um, I really haven't had very many issues. I've been able to pull things offline very easily with spotty internet when I'm out and about. And I have just really loved um, over the years, and you, and you know this because you've been in this space too, but over the years in the very beginning of iPad, Google did not, Google and Apple did not play well together, nor no. did <laughs> Apple and Microsoft play well yeah. together. They and still I don't. Think, so, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it was like hi, hyper um, accentuated, right? Like we could really see the um, the challenges. Now they're, they're playing pretty nicely in the space. Yeah. We're especially having the, the full blown like Safari desktop version on the iPad. We've really been able to utilize even a Microsoft. If I want to use a full, a fuller, richer experience in the Microsoft application, I can do that on the iPad in Safari, but I've been very happy with the Google applications, Google classroom, here in, in, at least in our area in the United States, I think has been one of the major um, education uh, deployments as rapidly as you could possibly. Every School's had it, but I don't know that they were really using it. So we really had to kick up as a, we're a technical service provider, we provide professional development. So we stepped up our game as like, how do you really set these up for maximum productivity, right? For workflow of your students so that your students aren't seeing so much you know, nonsense and then lose the education piece in in, among all the notifications and their emails and things like Mm -hmm. that. So we spent a lot of time uh, training and I was able to move some of those tips in my tech tip for two minutes Mm -hmm. on the, on the YouTube channel. So Mm -hmm. I have those, I try to make them really short and sweet because nobody really wants to, you know, especially when you're a teacher and you're like, I just got to know how to do this. I try to just chunk these into these two minute quick little intervals of like how to do it. And that's been pretty successful. I'm getting pretty good feedback on those little two minute videos. I have longer ones, obviously, for more in-depth. Well, you are uh, offering the solution to a problem somebody had. And 
that's the same with my YouTube channel. I listen to your comments in the videos and your requests. And here we are with the membership and everything that's not grown out of my mind. This was actually requested. So um, I think that's always the best. Listen to the customer. And again, for, for all the new tools there like Notion and all these, it is crucial that they are customer uh, focused and really listening what the people need and want. And um, I want to I want to go back again to to notability where you mentioned that you you are actually using notability for everything, isn't it? So is it also for task management and you have your actions in there and how do you actually access this? So do you mm -hmm. use the, the global search and all this? I use the global search, yes. Uh, typically what I do is I actually have Todoist as my task management uh -huh. system mm -hmm. for my personal and school. So anytime I get any any deadlines, due dates, anything like that all goes into Todoist. Um, for our work at the university as a team, our team uses Asana as our task management system. Mm -hmm. And it had been working really, really well until this, until, until March, really, honestly, until we shut down. And then for some reason, uh, and we'll do a little bit more digging and figure out whether we need to continue with Asana, but for some reason, my whole team just does not check it anymore. Nobody updates anything anymore. And oh, it was actually exactly the opposite on my side. When we are using, as soon as started, we become more efficient, I would say. Or actually, we've been one of the most efficient teams then because we already were digital and living in Asana. Um, so it that's really weird. interesting. Yeah. So did you connect yeah. actually Asana with Todoist via Plexi? Did you, did you hear about this when I mentioned this? You mentioned it, and I, it's actually a task in my, in my to-do list <laughs> right. is to go figure so out how to might connect be, those might two. be good for you to know that for the Inner Circle members, I just uh, launched a new online course um, for the Inner Circle members about how to use Todoist like a pro. I will talk about in there for um, to do the especially the two-way connection with the Google Calendar and how all this works because you want to have time management and task management tied together. And do you actually already have a two-way, as you're in the G Suite uh, or Google Universe, did you connect to, uh, to do this with your Google Calendar? I didn't. Um, I, I tried to, but because my main calendars sit in the Microsoft ecosystem ah, for right. Outlook okay. for yeah. work, The the, the two-way sync did not work no, with, yeah. with that. So I did connect Todoist with my personal, like my personal life calendar um, and the podcasting calendar. It does sync really well with those, but it, it just doesn't work mm. right with Microsoft yet. And, and also, you know, being involved with a bigger company, there's security issues, yeah. obviously. So they are very hesitant when Shannon yeah, comes and that's says, always Could you please just unlock this little thing? And they're like, nah, we got to look into it. <laughs> yeah, that's where, why we still have two different universes, personal task management and work. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's I do. In some cases, I can commingle. And Apple does a really good job of that, right? Apple does a really good job of taking the calendaring system and letting me bring in all of my calendars from work and mm. from personal and podcasting and all that stuff together. And I can see everything. And the kids' school, right? I mean, um, once once we had, uh, at one point I had kids in three different schools and that was three different school calendars, three different, you know, and my work calendar and, you know, and, and, and. And when I could see them all in one place, I was not double booking myself. So Apple does a really good job of, of making my life simple in that regard. Now, 
the two big kids are off on their own and they're, they've got their own calendars and I just have to worry about one now <laughs> for a little bit longer, one kid calendar now, <laughs> but still it's, it, there's still a lot in those calendars. And, and I have made the mistake of double booking because I was only looking at a work calendar and um, those are, those are bummers that, that my, my sister who is absolutely not paperless and relies hundred percent on her paper planner is like, I will never double book myself because I have it all written on this piece of paper. And I was like, unless you're not lugging that giant thing around in your purse, <laughs> you, you then have to always say, well, I don't have my calendar with me, so I can't commit to that. And that's usually but I, have, but I have to admit as well, my wife is so organized. She never misses any meeting or anything that she had in her paper calendar. Yeah. On the wall in the morning, she goes there, looks at it. And that's really something I think is still missing is this. And now we come back to the printing of paper and so on, which is these in your face, uh, situation. Yeah. I have the calendar on the wall and I see it all the time, what I have to do next. So that's why I actually built, uh, um, a monitor where I have a dashboard and there on and to see it all the time. But it, that's again, a waste of energy on the other hand, having this <laughs> running. So you can argue about this or post-its for example, all this. So there are still situations where I think, uh, we are not there yet to really can, uh, live only on a digital device, um, to really have the same sensation. I tried the best, so I don't have any post-its or anything. But I, I have to admit that it's not there yet to have the same the same feeling or like a, a task list lying there on paper on your table and you're working on this the whole day. That's why I have Todoist open all day on my screen. And so it's like the task list. I need something that is this satisfaction taking off boxes, isn't it? So you yeah. get this. So how do you connect notability uh, with action items and you create it in Todoist? Do you just convert the text directly into Todoist or? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't nodding. figured that out yet. Um, so I usually, as I'm in a meeting or in a note and I, I, I use a different color, I use possibly a, some, some check boxes and highlights where like yellow for me, um, you know, yellow has a meaning, orange has a meaning. You've talked about this, I think in, in some of your videos too, where you know, that color coding system. So when I see the green highlighting, I know that that's usually an action item. Um, I go back through and I move everything over into Todoist with the dates mm -hmm. so that I don't miss it because I have before, you know, even in a, even in a meeting where I'm sitting and, and I, I can't be digital um, because it's just not appropriate. I've missed like my action items that come out of that meeting because I didn't have a highlighter with me or whatever. And it's just so frustrating and it's embarrassing. I don't, I don't like you know, that feeling of missing something. Yeah, that, well, nobody likes that. But that was actually the reason why I asked for the global search, how do you use it? Because um, I showed this for Node.js already, and you can do this in any other note-taking app on the iPad as well uh, with um, handwriting recognition and global search. You just give it a code, like hashtag and a certain number, and this just means it is a to-do. So you put this in front and then you can just search and you will get a list of all the action items you have. And once you finish the to-do, you just delete this color code from your node and uh, it's done. So you oh, could still... Oh, that is brilliant. <laughs> I did not... I missed that, honestly, in, yeah. in the videos of yours. So I I did not expect to have a takeaway and a learn from here, but thank you for that because that that's really what I needed in that search feature because I have been missing it. 
for sure. And I will, I will definitely be implementing that starting today. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, awesome. So let me know how it works then. Uh, I mean, that's just a workaround to be honest, because it should work with tags, for example. So I could tag um, the pages or, or th something like that. However, you, tagging pages doesn't point you to, uh, directly to this line. And right. another thing that you could do if you, especially in good, in good notes, it worked very well. When you write a text and you select it in there, you could just drag and drop it directly into Todoist. And while you're dragging it over, it converts it on the fly into type text into this task in Todoist. So this is also a way to, to directly transform it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. Good, good tip. I'm going to keep, I'm going to try that and keep working on those. <laughs> Yeah, there are always, you know, we have, we, we come to situations where we, there's always a solution. Unfortunately, in, in nowadays, it's still workarounds, I would say, yeah. not really solutions. That's really the, the thing. This, this all-in-one software is just not there. And um, also very interesting, um, the episode one, where I talked to Ian Small, the CEO from Evernote, we talked about what Evernote actually was. So you're using as a document management and he says, well, Evernote was the tool to remind everything. So it was uh, to remind you to keep things, uh, the external brain to keep stuff. Now we have things like Notion and Rome Research and so on, and they start to do the thinking for you. And this was really interesting because we talked about how Evernote actually could do this because there's so much potential in my opinion, um, doing the thinking. So yeah, th that's exactly the thing when you in this, the, the, we, we have to change, I think our, the way we think in general, taking notes and all this, I don't know, did you use Rome research? So do you know what I'm talking about when I say about the backlinks and so on? No, I haven't used Rome research yet. Um, mm. In all in all fairness, just because I really want to dedicate the time to it, so I have a yeah. I have a month break around the holiday season, and I think that's when I'm gonna. It's on my it's on my list of things yeah. I want to research. Be careful, another shiny object there. <laughs> I do need to be careful, and and I have to figure, uh, as I do with all of my teachers, the tool is supposed to help us with our workflow. The tool is yeah. supposed to make our lives easier, not more complicated, and not be yeah. a distraction to what really needs to get done. So I really have to, as I'm, I'm thinking like an educator in, in my application and use and research of tools is how, what is, what is my problem and how will this tool solve my problem? And sometimes with, with some of the apps, like for me, Notion is just too much mm. for me right mm. now, which I, which I know that uh, my daughter who is out of college and in her first job right now has just found Notion. I've sent her all your videos and she's she's starting to use it as her database and and bringing her things together and her life together. And she she has no problem coming over and being like, let me show you how it's working for me. And I'm like, that is so great for you. <laughs> right now, yeah. that I can't wrap my head around that. And it does take me a while sometimes to, to kind of mull on something and think on something and then kind of go back to a tool and say, yeah. okay, this is probably going to work. Let me play with it, but I need the time and space to, to test. And, and if I don't give it a fair shake, I don't, I don't write it off. I just say that right now that isn't going to work for me. 
Um, because I do think Notion has, especially for the podcast and the YouTube channel, has a lot of potential. I mean, I've seen the way you use it. I've seen the way um, Thomas Frank uses it. I've seen the way uh, Ali um, uses it. So I, I see these guys, these productivity guys, and they're using it. And I'm like, that's fantastic. I wish I could do that. And then I'm like, I'm not there yet. Like my, my life hasn't kind of caught up to being ready to adopt that yet. So I'm, yeah. it's, it's kind of in my space. Um, Rome research is the one that I've put on my November to kind of January looking at and seeing if it will, if I could replace some other pieces or enhance something as part of my workflow in, in there, because I really need, I like how you talk about that um, kind of that second brain or that, that, that thinking, I, I like the automation. I use a lot of shortcuts on my iPad. I do a lot of that automation thing because for me, I know it's handled mm. until it's, until there's a glitch, but yeah, of uh, course. You know. <laughs> but that's the, actually when coming back to the iCore framework, that's the refine part. So you have your process obviously in place already. And the refine part is going, when you finish something, going back and say lessons learned. Yeah. People call it this way. Um, and then see how you can optimize the workflow. Is it still working? Can you automate things? That's really what I'm um, really going down rabbit holes all the time, finding ways to to get rid of redundant work. I hate nothing more than doing repetitive work every day that I could automate in some way or form. And um, this is also Notion is not really good in this. They don't have any APIs. They don't have any automations and things like this. And I switched for my own team from Asana to ClickUp actually, because ClickUp is really uh, complex or not complex. Um, it has a vast um, tool set and automation features that I can use, like being on a Kanban and I move it from one column to the next and then another person will get assigned automatically and things like this to have an easy example. But yeah, staying on the, the Rome research thing, um, really look into this. I, I'm looking forward to talking with you about this and your experience yeah. with this because I, I absolutely agree with you. If there is no need and there's no desire, then, uh, there's no need to look for something else. So it is just um, personal um, interest to figure it out. But for me as well, I was using Notion, on-off user of Notion for two years, I think. Um, and now I'm using it. I, I went all in. Now I, I got it uh, finally with the databases and all this, and I'm working on an online course as well for Notion. It is really powerful once you understand um how how powerful connecting information is and this is when we go back to your notability setup um this all works great people are really efficient this way and you have to settle custom and all these uh concepts as well where people um find their notes and can really work out of this i think the issue we have that we are still stuck in our old mindset in this hierarchical thinking because we have the folders and we are used to folder structures and we try to put everything into these folders and Rome research doesn't allow it. You don't have any folders. It's just flat. So there's just only uh, cross connections. And to make a simple explanation, you have a, you have notability, you have two um, roots of different notebooks, and then you have information that just fits into two notebooks at the same time. And then you, you start thinking, where do I put it now? 
it fits right. in both. So you duplicate it maybe, or or you don't. And Rome Research, for example, but also Notion now also allows this. That's the backlinking and the referencing. I can just put this information on both positions and they update wherever I update the information. So this is this is really powerful. And um, I'm using Rome Research heavily, but only for uh, meetings. So when I have huddles and talking to my team and so on, I uh, use Rome Research to take the notes down. And then later on, I can just go to this person and I see all the information we talked about this and I filter about a specific topic. So I have the combination of this person with this topic and I get all the information I wrote down for this. So we have really to talk about this I'm <laughs> later on. Yeah, Because I can that's see awesome. that. I can see that really working um, in specific education spaces. Yeah. Uh, higher education, for example, as we work with students individually, um, I can see it working in our, in our team setting as a, as a group, as a physical group, but also I have the different hats that I can put on and look at, look at this tool and say, how will this work in the, in these different lenses? So how could it work as a student, as I'm taking notes and putting it and, and because I do run across that, right. I do. So I just have a unfiled folder <laughs> that yeah. sits in notability because I don't really have anywhere to put it. Um, and, and, one of the things that I do that I don't do anymore is delete anything. Um, and you've, you've talked about this with this digital space. We have so much digital space. It's like infinite digital space. Mm -hmm. And so I, I typically don't delete anything. I archive it. So I create annual archive folders, 2019, 2020. And as things come in and I don't need them anymore, in theory, I, I move things into that archive folder so that if I ever said, oh, geez, like that did come through or I did see that, Obviously, I delete, you know, public, not, not publications, um, advertisements and that kind of nonsense that we really don't need anymore. But notes and things that are old from meetings or clients that we don't have anymore, I don't ever delete it. I just archive it and put it in an archive folder and, and let it sit there because I don't, I really don't worry about digital space at all, but I don't want to see it and I don't want it cluttering up my you know, my, my visual, I like to, that was another thing is that kind of happened as a result of the cleaning up and becoming paperless was kind of a more minimalistic yeah. workflow, a minimalistic lifestyle. And, you know, kind of having that minimalism and seeing, seeing less created less stress and anxiety in my own life, you know? So yeah, I, I don't have to see understand. it anymore. It's, and, it's good. And again, I have to come back to Rome research here because you don't see anything. You just put it in there. You're building up your own Wikipedia. Actually, you can just click through your notes you, to the to the words. You just, especially for your students, I see this as well. When you when you're learning something, you're building up your Wikipedia, and then you can switch to a graph where you see all the connections. And the more you talk about a specific topic, the stronger the connection becomes. It's like a neural system you're building up there. Wow. That's that's really that's really the, the, the power you have behind this. And you don't see it. That's exactly, again, you have a, a hierarchical structure. You have the folders filling up with stuff. And why is it overwhelming? Why do you archive it? Because you don't really have control over what is in there. You no longer know, is it relevant? Is it not relevant? Well, I just put it away. I'm in, in 10 years further now and maybe it's not related, but maybe there are some snippets in there. They are still relevant. And in, in, in tools like Rome Research, those would surface as soon you're talking about these and start writing again, you get recommendations that you talked about this five years ago or something like this. I mean, Rome research is not as uh, old, but that's just an example. Yeah. 
That's awesome. I'm I'm excited to try it out. Notion did this now as well with the backlinking. That's the same thing. And um, I'm sure Evernote, um, if they don't do this, I could bet it, but I don't. (laughs) Yeah, It would be a good move. It would be a good move for them because... I think Evernote, just kind of going back to them really quickly, with this with this new update, I haven't really seen a huge improvement. I've actually seen in my workflow, it's actually crippled it a little bit because yeah. my highlighting and annotations app highlights, uh, I used to export my annotations, just the annotations by color to mm-hmm. Evernote because then I could easily grab them and move them into a Word or a Google Doc very, very simply. The text was coming over. It wasn't a PDF and it didn't come over wonky. It was really a great, uh, seamless interaction. Then I updated and I, it, like I lost the connectivity and um, I, I feel like there's, there's, I, I will not give up. I still, I still love Evernote. It still has all of my stuff in it. I tried to link Evernote to Notion back in the day and I, it did not come over really fantastically. Well, that, that's like, the thing what I never understood why Notion advertises with, um, you can just get, go over from Evernote to Notion. It's a complete two different systems and well it came up as one of the new systems besides evernote now we have a load loads more different things like roam research and all the other thing things but this is no point bringing my documents into notion there's no ocr i can't scan to notion there's no proper web clipper so this is really i still use notion uh, evernote for my documents uh, document management the search engine is just still the best and th- that's also what I mentioned to Ian. I mean, they have such a power behind the search engine, like Google. Um, they're even using their their engine, I think. Um, mm-hmm. This is also something I th- like the hierarchical structure, the th- the way we thought in the in the past, and we should change now. It's also about understanding that, um, for example, G Drive. When this came out. I think there was no folder. People were complaining that's not as easy as being on the Windows Explorer and and have these folders. So they implemented this back that you have these folders. But the the idea behind this was you can search everything. And G Drive also does OCR and so on. So they relied on their search engine that you just search and you will find what you need. And again, I was talking uh, to Ian as well that they looking into ways that... um, the search brings up um, relevant uh, notes before you even start typing because you're on a sp- specific location and this is related to you, maybe your home notes and so on. So I, I also see the big um, future coming uh, <laughs> to us, but you think you, we need to change our thinking, I think. Yeah. It is a complete different way now. Stop, we... we the, the note taking the, the flood of information we have every day and all this and this is just overwhelming and you just brought it to the point when you said you are archiving things i do this <laughs> as well yeah where i say okay it's no, no longer le- relevant but it's like keeping all the old paper from my school time yeah big boxes i i shredded them finally after 20 years i shredded this paper because um, and I kept one piece of paper to, to remind of, but I will never go through all my notebooks right. from back then. Uh, so and I, I understand found, this. Have you, and I don't know if this happened to you, but when I do that, when I have that kind of a big purge, I have that panic moment of like, mm. should I have really done that? Like, And I think that's just human nature <laughs> yeah. is that we become attached to that physical, like I might actually need that. 
And the, the, the minimalist folks say, you know, I feel good. I've scanned it. Like I've scanned it and I can shred it. And I feel like I, if, if I ever needed it, it's yeah. there digitally. Um, I do worry about, like you said, that kind of digital waste or digital clutter. So I try to keep everything really nice and neat. Um, but for the most part, when it's, it's like, when you get rid of a thing, you have that sense of like, I'm going to need that as soon as I get rid of it. And yeah. we've created, we've created ourselves this anxiety and, and this structure around being attached to like, is it really the end of the world? If you have to go buy another spatula? No, it's not. <laughs> it's really not the end of the world. And so I think about that digitally. I, it's not the end of the world that I have an archive folder in there. Um, I have terabytes of space in, in kind of my, um, in my Dropbox or wherever I keep, you know, some of that stuff. And I'm a duplicator, so I've just seen people lose their work. So I do have stuff in Evernote. I also keep an exact duplicate somewhere in Dropbox. Um, those are just my paranoia, but I don't, again, I don't worry about it. It's organized properly. I can search for it amazingly. When, when you say Evernote, you reminded me when you said that, that their original, Ian said, it was to remind people of everything. That is really yeah. back in the day, one of the one of the two main reasons I used Evernote was I was taking notes in meetings and I could I could mark something and be like, remind me. And, and I forgot that I was using that so long ago. It has, I've, you know, essentially I found other more efficient, better integrated apps that I could, you know, I use Spark for my email client and I can mm -hmm. shoot something from Spark to Todoist and yeah. set those reminders up. The natural language uh, in integration with Spark and Fantastical and things like that work really, really well yeah. in keeping us kind of cohesive in that workflow. Um, and, and Evernote just for me evolved into something that was I won't ever, I don't think I'll ever get rid of it. I don't, I think I'll continue to pay. I, every year I kind of go through what are my subscription services and I continue to see that I, I, for two reasons. One is I probably don't meet the threshold of needing to pay. I could probably go for the free version. Yeah. However, Evernote is a company that I've believed in for a really long time. Um, I, I continue to contribute to companies and, and products and services like that, even, and even though, um, I kind of think of them as a small business. I've, I dr I've driven past them up in the Bay area all the time. I actually won a trip to get, um, a tour of their facility using like points and things like that. I never got to go. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so sad. I never got to go just due to scheduling conflicts when I was in the Bay area. Um, but I, I would, I, I just feel like like they are such a great company and I want to continue to see them. The two years that they've taken to, uh, make their product better have been, um, I think, a, a great, uh, we do that in education all the time where we do a self-evaluation yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we, you know, we improve, right? That's how, that's how we as humans improve. That's how schools improve. Um, and they did that. And I'm, I'm really hopeful that they're going to keep ideating and, and listening, like you said, to the customers and, and they have a great opportunity now they've rebuilt it from the bottom yeah, up as yeah. far as their whole course. I think this is still something people don't realize what work this was and what accomplishment this actually was. And, we will look very closely now for the next three months what features they push out. Um, there was big promises going on, but I'm really keen when you have the right framework now in place, then it's much easier to push out more features. And yeah. uh, I hope they take leverage of this now. And well, 
uh, Ian will be back in the show in January 2021. He promised already, and we talk about the new features in the meantime published to Evernote. So this is already a big promise he gave there. So let's see if we let's will see. become happy again. I mean, I was never sad, as you said. It, for me, it's the document dump. That's how I'd call it, you know. Yeah. Throw in it and for, forget about it. Uh, my scanner is hooked up with Evernote. That's that's really very comfortable, and no other um, tool allows me this. I mean, G Drive is pretty close because again, it's searchable and all this. But with the organization and also automation in Evernote, um, that's yeah. I don't know. I like it. I, I still prefer Evernote for my document storage. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Myself. So that's really interesting. So there's one <laughs> elephant in the room, <laughs> which is you're using Notability and we're talking about things like Notion and Rome Research and so on. But isn't it the, the case that you just love using an Apple Pencil and handwriting your notes mm -hmm. instead of typing it down, isn't it? I do. And one of the things that um, I haven't mentioned yet is how I ended up with the iPad Pro um, was I... I was injured actually, um, and I broke my elbow and was relieved of, I could not type for six months. And I work in education, I give presentations, that's my job, mm. <laughs> writing and, and typing. And then that was a, a year ahead of when I knew I was gonna be entering the doctoral program and I needed to figure out a way to continue to move forward. So I was able to get that iPad Pro with the Apple Pencil. Uh, it had just come out, it was really, really new. Um, and I convinced, uh, the university, I was like, this is, this is what I need because I cannot type. I couldn't type on a laptop. I couldn't type on my computer. I needed the voice typing. Um, and I also needed the, uh, the ability to write. I broke my left arm and I'm right-handed. And so I was able to really take advantage of all of those pieces and not having a form of dysgraphia, which I talk about in the inner circle, um, which also my, my son has as well. It contributes to the, the difficulty with writing and handwriting and things like that. It's, it's, it's not a huge problem. I can, I can write, but it definitely is easier for me to dictate or for me to type. Mm -hmm. um, so having those two pieces, the, the elephant in the room is, is that I never go, I never leave without my Apple pencil and the iPad. I don't, I really don't go anywhere. And I recently invested as I started this school program in the iPad mini as well mm -hmm. with um, a, a, not an Apple pencil because I, the iPad mini five, I don't like the first gen Apple pencil. Yeah. So I kind of got a knockoff one. Well, I'm using the uh, Adonet node for the iPad mini. So I'm yeah. not sure if it is maybe also something like this, but I absolutely agree. I had to use something else uh, except the iPad. For the iPad mini, it's something different, yeah. And it, But yeah, it's the it perfect notebook size. So, so the tip, typical thing, yeah. So go it's on. It's been very helpful. And and that Apple Pencil, having the precision, having the, um, the, the handwriting, the recognition that it will do when I am taking notes, there's just something about being able to sit down and really write really quickly um, and... And, and it's sometimes more professional in certain meetings to have that iPad flipped over like a notebook and not yeah. up like a laptop. There's, and again, I'm, you know, I'm at a university, I'm in a pretty progressive space in the university. And so sometimes I just sit in these meetings and I'm like this, no one else has, everyone has a notebook or a piece of paper and they're writing. I'm going to just flip this around and just use it as a, as a tablet. Yeah. Um, and 
usually it draws, it draws attention. It draws questions like, how are you doing that? And how is this being organized? And I've done um, for the, for the university and the technology departments at the whole level, I've been able to give how I'm using Evernote and how I use these digital tools mm -hmm. in my work and in my teaching. And so that has prompted a little bit of um, uh, inquisitive, which, which makes me happy. It makes me, I love to share that. Obviously I love to share what I do and how I do it and how it's and you share in, it in well. my mind. <laughs> Very nice presented. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. So I like to do that. And it's, yeah, there's just something about uh, and like for sure the apple pencil 2 is by far the superior apple pencil i have i have both of them um and the knockoff and it, it is really the best one mm. and on my ipad pro it's just beautiful it's just a beautiful experience so i'm not you, an artist but i love it do you use an um screen protector a matte uh, screen protector paper like or something I do. I use Paperlike on the iPad Pro. I bought a knockoff for the iPad Mini. Mm. Um, it it feels it's a little more rough in my opinion, but mm. it's it's okay. It's doing its job. Um, but we can't I live without to... it, isn't it? I mean, I I can't understand how people can write on glass. I mean, I I wrote on glass when I started, so I didn't mind about this. But as soon you have one of these uh, screen protectors on your iPad and you are used to writing on this um, rough area. As soon as I took this off, I can't write anymore because it is uh, yeah, it, no control over slick. the iPad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, so, it's too slick for sure. Yeah. I have to, I have to have it. I don't know how I would not have a screen protector on the iPad moving forward. I've seen, I've seen other folks do videos on it, and I'm like, I like. There's a couple of gals who do their student note taking and you can hear it clicking all yeah. the time oh, oh, God. that was <laughs> that was for me that was the center i'm too distracted yeah, exactly clicking. it becomes not, yeah yeah so it's it's really funny um you know that you needed it once you you have it before that i, right. I didn't know <laughs> that you i would know, need yeah. it that's it's interesting yeah. yeah i thought maybe it is just normal that it will become uh, the click noise and and that's just a new sound in the meetings that you will have in the future and things like that no <laughs> just buy a magic no. screen protector and it's done <laughs> well and that's disruptive right so like you're in these meetings with these people and they're all taking notes and yours is click 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 yeah. click 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 and and i was like that's not gonna work so i immediately ordered the paper like uh which was the not the first time on the ipad pro i had the paper like on my previous ipads um and i just i i loved them so i i did it again and when I went to the iPad mini, I was like, mm, you know, I'm going to try something a little different. This one got pretty good reviews and it's decent. It just feels rougher to me. Mm -hmm. uh, but as my kids have tested them, because uh, I use them as beta testers on pretty much everything, <laughs> they, there were some, you know, some kids like that rougher feeling and other kids liked the, the, the more matte screen protector on the iPad pro. So I yeah. thought that was really interesting the ones this my kid that liked the rougher one was my artist so the one uh -huh. who's used to really drawing with ink on um thicker nice yeah. paper with the markers and the and the pencils she preferred the the thicker rougher mm. um, screen protector and then my other kids who are just you know normal users preferred the the matte feel of the paper like so you know, i thought that was interesting. it is just it's just um it's the other way around now. Usually we were looking for the right um, uh, pencils or something like that. 
because we prefer different uh, sensations, but paper yeah. was more or less the same. And now it's the other way around. You just buy the yeah. <laughs> you buy the matte screen protector you like. So uh, you know I that you, it. as an Inner Circle member, you get 20% off from Paperlike. So don't forget this it. when you buy one now I, again. Yeah, <laughs> I will. I'm going to go. I probably will end up replacing the iPad mini with the one that I prefer because my workflow um, and I, I talk about this a little bit on my YouTube channel is I use that iPad mini as my as a Kindle reader mm -hmm. at night when mm -hmm. I need to read and consume information. I use it uh, as my highlighting. I use it with highlights. So I'll import and I'll use that as because it's a little more manageable. Um, I just, I, I really have found it, uh, not that like, like you said, you don't know what you know, but lugging my iPad around was not a huge problem. It was really not that where I found it challenging was at night when I wanted to read, or if I was on the exercise bike and I just wanted to read, mm -hmm. um, I couldn't that big, I, the big iPad, you know, I had the 11 inch pro 18 and it was just too big. And so I had, a, I had some school money that I could spend on school and I, I called my buddy at Apple and I said, this is what I'm thinking. And he's like, no, go for the iPad, the, the new iPad Air Education one, nine, it's a, it's a 10 inch now or something. Yeah. And he says, it's going to be cheaper. And I go, but it's defeating the purpose of me wanting something small. Like <laughs> yeah. I want it to. No, I, no. Want I think to... the iPad mini five is the, is really the, there's a really good, um, iPad you can get. It's a perfect yeah. size. I use this when I'm on conferences. I'm using the iPad mini five because, you know, it. I'm sitting there taking notes and making pictures. That's the important thing. Make the picture of a slide, maybe bring it in, annotate on the slide. And uh, once I'm going to networking, I just put it in my backpack. Done. Easy. You know, my, it's easy. So this is really, and with, the, with I see the others with the big laptops, then they don't know where to put it. And yeah. This yeah, is no, just I the perfect it. size. I love, I, the, think, yeah. I love the form factor. I love that it's, and I didn't, I didn't do a straight, like it doesn't have everything on it that my full iPads do. So mm -hmm. it doesn't have all of the apps. It has exactly what I need. Yeah. It has my audible. It has my Kindle. It has highlights. It's got the Safari on it. It has the ones that I need for really, um, right now I've been using Speechify as my auditory. Uh, so it will read my PDFs to me. Um, and that's really helpful. So I feel like the, it has just what I need on it. Um, Note-taking apps, I, I use, um, it has notability on it. Uh, I do use Apple Notes occasionally too for just some quick jot things. Um, so it just has, it's the basics. And I use it as my teleprompter too. When I'm recording YouTube videos, I have, a, I have the big tripod that has, I use my iPhone um, to record and and then I use the another tripod that holds uh, the iPad right underneath. The, so they're kind of like stacked on top of each other. And yeah. that iPad mini is my teleprompter that kind of has all my stuff on it. When I was scripting and while well, I'm doing this less and less, and it's only a few videos where I scripted, but I have a pr teleprompter, a proper one where you have the, the mirror there and you actually look into the camera. There was the iPad mini lying down there and, you know, giving me the text. So that's... Uh, it's just perfect for many situations. And I think with the, with the uh, iPhones, I still think, my God, uh, especially the Max versions, if you had a stylus there, it would just be perfect. And also if they it's would coming, implement... Though, right? uh, <laughs> I think they're so afraid that Chief Jobs will come back from his grave when they implement a stylus that uh, they don't do it. 
And also that they don't like in Galaxy Note, I, I used Galaxy Note for a while and well, I switched back to iPhone, but the big advantages was really the S Pen and the feel, it just worked perfectly. And that you had on your off screen some information, like your notes, you were able to write directly like, and that's the post-it feel, that's what I mentioned before, with the in your face feeling. Um, that was, yeah. Let's see what they come up with in the future. It takes always longer on Apple, we know that. So uh, Shannon, awesome talking. And I see we can talk another hour at least because there are so many things that I would have loved to discuss with you. Um, so we definitely have to do a follow-up, I think. Um, sure. Especially when you checked out Rome research, maybe we can talk about this as well. Um, I'm sure a lot of uh, listeners out there enjoyed this as well. And um, what I really in particular liked about this was talking about notability and how you use the handwriting and so on, because I think um, it's good to see that this actually works. You can really use these note-taking apps to live and breathe through them. And um, that's really awesome. Is there, if somebody wants to get in contact or in touch with you, um, how do they find you? You mentioned already a YouTube channel. So yep. YouTube, YouTube channel, if you're interested in any of our, our videos and I'm, I'm trying to come out with more in between classes and, and work and whatnot. So that is, uh, the, I'm the paperless professor at YouTube in, on YouTube. Our podcast is called the My Tech Tool Belt podcast. And we're on all podcast streaming networks. Um, and we that's a podcast for teachers. It's not specifically paperless, but it's definitely a digital podcast where we talk and interview teachers, like I said, who innovate, engage, and inspire using technology in their classrooms. And that's a, we publish right now, I think we have almost 50 episodes out over the last few years. So it's awesome. pretty good. Um, so we really encourage you to go there. And then on Twitter, I am Tabaldo on tech. And that's, I know I have multiple kind of brands, but that's the easiest way to find me on Twitter, Tabaldo on tech. Uh, and um, I really, I, I have lots of just wonderful ideas. I love sharing. I love growing my personal network, especially teachers who are using technology. Uh, paperless, I think is, is a, a nice transition out of, you know, kind of it's a, it's a bonus from coming out of using specific technologies in the classroom. I think when, when teachers realize they don't have to take home stacks of paper <laughs> um, to grade, they yeah. can grade them in their, in their iPad or in their computer. Uh, we are really changing the lives of teachers when we think about using technology efficiently and effectively and intentionally. So those are my, those are kind of my passion. So that's how you would get a hold of me. The, the one last thing I wanted to say was this, this journey of being paperless, Tom, that I've been on has really been a progression. And I don't, I don't really know that I'll ever be done with it. It really is a journey that I continue to be on and, and modify. And for folks that are just kind of starting, um, and you've said this before, and, and I try to reiterate this with folks that I work with, is just start with an app. So I recently, um, on, your, on your Facebook page, I signed up to be a mentor, and I recently got connected uh, with a gal who I have been communicating through Facebook Messenger with and kind of mentoring. And we've been able to kind of go through those those processes of like find the right app first, start out with the free versions if you can and test them out and really see which one works for you. And then we build on from there. But there's really, 
it's it's defeats the purpose to try to go all in and and go to a, a Rome research or go to a notion depending on where you are if you're just starting out in the journey it's better to start with either a notability or uh, a good notes or a note shelf or somewhere in that space and and really find the right tool yeah. and build from that tool forward at some point you may realize like you have and like I have I need to evolve out of this tool. My my journey has taken me in a different direction or my work has taken me in a different direction and I need to add or subtract from from that spectrum but but recognize where you are on the journey. Um, own it, love it, embrace it and then and and then find folks like like you and like me and, and within the inner circle and within the this this personal learning network that you have to kind of tap into, I have not met anyone on my journey that has not been willing to share yeah. tips like you just did with me, right? Yeah, those are, the same those boat, are yeah. gifts. And yeah. I, and I, I cherish those relationships. I cherish the, the friendships that I've made and the, and the digital connections that I've made with people on this journey. So that would be my recommendation for anyone who's interested or kind of in the beginning of their journey. It's not easy. It does take a mind shift to get out of the paper, to get out of the, yeah. the, you know, physical notebook space you, but you, you like any journey it, the more you do it, the better and the easier it gets. And so those are things that I've, I've shared with, with others as I've mentored and coached them. I'm by, I'm, I'm by no way as proficient as it, as there are others out there that are so much further along in their journey, but where I am, I'm happy with it. And I'm, I'm excited to just keep connecting and finding other other folks that are in it with me. I absolutely love that. That was the perfect ending. And I think there was no big value bomb here in the end. So that was really, thank you very much, Shannon. This is awesome. Um, I just want to add to this, what you just mentioned now as well. Um, you, I absolutely agree with you a hundred percent. And this is why the iPad and the Apple Pencil really makes the, the entrance into the, the digital work so easy because you are so used or the workflows you can replicate on the iPad that you used to use on your notebook. And this is really, I absolutely agree. And I think that's a good ending there. And I can't wait to talk to you again in Inner Circle and then here on the podcast again. You have to be back on the show. That was really awesome. I will definitely. Thank you for having me, Tom. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. So I think this was another very interesting insight of a productivity system of one of my Inner Circle members. It's always inspiring listening to these setups and talking about this because we are all in the same boat. We are all about increasing efficiency of our productivity systems to really leverage advantages of a digital world. So if you want to learn more how you can improve your own digital system, hop over to paperlessmovement.com and there you can sign up to the Inner Circle and I help you out. If you haven't already, subscribe to this channel so you don't miss the next interview and I'll catch you up next time.